on the subject of TikToks. Uh, my favorite one ever actually occurred, and Michael is the you know bleeding heart and soul of this podcast because, much like a child, just watching you know everything in the world presented to it for the first time, Michael is just a awash in wonder at everything that happens on this podcast, and I'm it's, glad the world gets to see it now. And it's also like really hard to describe that TikTok to people that don't know the podcaster Michael, which mm-hmm. I found out because I was trying to tell my co-worker about it because it had these <laughs> stitches and i was like like do you know that that song you, you know, no, totally, no, no. it just doesn't work you can't describe it so. <laughs> speaking of tiktoks though uh care to give a quick week in review on how i've done with uh your curated feed for me shane i believe my exact sentence from last night was uh b period better period <laughs> did you see my response i didn't see your response yet i i only open tiktok when i really want to try to like talk myself onto the ledge to kill myself <laughs> fair enough must Same? be pretty often then no. uh yeah i mean i, I get it nightly <laughs> right before i'm about to get in the shower then i take my clothes off and i'm really on the verge of de- i'm at death's door every time i get in the shower it's like i could slip and fall on something and just not make it out of this where's my trusty dusty toaster <laughs> it's the it's the brave little toaster <laughs> now there's something to, to animate <laughs> some happy-go-lucky smiley inanimate object and i'm just like you're coming with me okay just because i'm i went and saw a, a horror movie earlier today um but what it, if, was it the oscars ah! it was, no hear me out here they've made the movie rubber you know where a tire yeah. kills people what Damn about killed her. a remake of the brave little tote <laughs> nice what about a reimagining of the brave little toaster where it is a toaster that is just killing people in the bath like he's going through a neighborhood, routinely finding people in the bath and just jumping in and electrocuting okay. them to death. It'd be it'd be a five minute long film because he'd only get one shot, one opportunity. <laughs> that, that that thing is going to be scorched out and, uh, pardon the pun, toasted. It will not be able to get a second attempt. Well, what if he had supernatural abilities as well? You know, okay, so, like he so can it's the jump like he is made of electricity. It's you know? the like, Chucky doll of toasters. Yes. Okay, so it both has sentience and a permanent battery charge it can turn on and off without frying circuitry. But you have to call it the Brave Little Toaster. That's the only thing. Uh, Well, trademark infringement is a problem. It's more like the Brave Little Toaster. There There we go. And then there will be spinoffs. There will be the Bride of the Grave Little Toaster. Um, didn't uh, they have Grave Little Toaster X, Grave yeah. Little Toaster in Space? <laughs> I have this image in my head now, like of a like antique claw tub, and at like the foot of the claw tub is just a, a toaster. It's all like just one outline sketch, and there's like a the little cord dangling off. <laughs> Beautiful. Uh, well, speaking it. of death warmed over, welcome, friends, <laughs> and. Uh, <laughs> Ay, ay, ay. How, how do I even start this show? What do I do? What's Ladies and germaphobes, boils and ghouls, gremlins of all ages, welcome to another cash money installment of this, the Disinformed Podcast. I'm Shane. I'm John. I'm Michael. I don't want to be here. I'm Corey. Join the club. 
That was a very cash money entrance there. <laughs> That's, that is is both going to be your catchphrase and your new handle. You are going to be Michael Cash Money Clark. <laughs> Don't it, tell it's the gonna IRS. be MC MC MC. Uh <laughs> MCMC. That's if that's the new catchphrase for the show, then I am not having a Baja Blast. Oh, <laughs> you're gonna have a Baja Blast when I get that toaster in the tub with you. Ooh, <laughs> me wishing you would. <laughs> Baja blast you out of this existence, <laughs> just like Taco Bell. All under your face, neck, and chest. And speaking of face, necks, and chest, how about that, Will Smith? Just a, a bastion of self-control. You guys know me pretty well, I think, right? Uh, I would hope. You know how much I like public freakouts and fights? <laughs> how many uh, times did you watch that clip? That's what I'm about to tell you. Because we, <laughs> we went to see uh, Shane Smith at Stand Up Live on Sunday night. And when we got back, I forgot, like, stand-up shows don't... They get out so early. Like, it's an hour and a half and you're basically gone. So I was, like, home by, like, 10 o'clock. And I'd seen like Twitter rumblings or like little whatever that something had happened. And I was like, oh, that could be something fun to put on. I need a more, I need more lighthearted fare. And I pull up YouTube and I watch it and I shit my pants about it. <laughs> it and it then he everything. had to deal with the shit. So he was even more happy. It was, it was a great night. And then no, Becky, no, no. Depends. <laughs> on what? Um, <laughs> Becky's like, all right, well, I have to go to bed. <laughs> this is after Courtney, or did you guys come? No, that was this Saturday whole last night. weekend. There's a lot of shit that happened over the weekend. Um, Indeed. Anywho, she's like, I have to go to bed. And as she's walking up the steps, I'm finding related videos and like alt angles and like uncensored. And then there's one where it was like dubbed in Japanese. Um, and <laughs> Becky's getting ready for bed. This is like 15 minutes of me watching this same, what, 45 second clip. And she comes out of her bathroom before she's like lays down. She's like, are you still watching the fucking slap videos? And she was she's like, it's adorable, but it's also terrifying. Like, watch something else. <laughs> You should have seen me with the terrorist beheading videos I got last month. You were not ready for me in middle school. Indeed. Ooh, edgy. edgy Jihad word. on that. <laughs> ah, pickle, therefore try two-handing. Um, <laughs> anyway, uh, I think if we're going to air our opinions on it, mm. I think Chris Rock did not do anything wrong, and Will Smith is a punk-ass bitch. Also, get ready for Chris Rock to have a huge huge upswing in his career because he handled it so professionally it was outstanding okay hot take yeah yeah i didn't know i was dropping fire but you guys oh, let, me, uh, let me hang there so <laughs> yeah yeah that's what we do i mean i'm not that interested <laughs> on in the it floor. you want my uninformed hot take you didn't I even think... know that it happened until we told <laughs> you i yeah. think no i i watched it on monday okay they were talking about it at work and so i watched it a couple of times it was Kind of anticlimactic. The like draw the build up to it. I don't know. It felt like he's like almost like you insulted my wife, wham, or something like that. But it was just like a a casual strut up to stage and just a slap and then walk away. Like it's because he was fake. He he threw Chris Rock off his game. He's like, oh, here comes my friend Will Smith. We've been in movies together. Wrong. Whack. I'm going to take the cynical approach and say it was all planned. Like the moon landing before it, yes. Mm, Also shot by, uh, you know. Kubrick actually came out of retirement 
when I mean retirement, I mean death. The grave, yeah. yes. Uh-huh. To to film that one slap. Indeed, mm-hmm. indeed. Yeah. You can tell by yeah. the shot. You can tell by the cinematography. It, it's clearly staged. Well, contrary to the rules of any good podcast, I'm going to say my opinion does not matter in this at all. But uh, yeah, I I mean, there's uh, blood on all sides here. It's a bad joke uh, in kind of insensitive given the context. So, I mean, you can understand how someone's going to get upset. Like, it's not like he went out and said, like, Bad Boys is a shitty film. Like, it's a little well, bit the, different. That's when you throw hands. <laughs> oh, so you've seen Bad Boys now? Yeah. <laughs> One and they did do a sequel at the time, right? They did. Yeah, they have done yes. three. Not, I'm not else? talking about the, like, one that came out last year. They did one. Mm. They did, like, a Bad Boys, like, almost remake or something like that. It, I, we get it. You're in love with Will Smith. It's fine. I mean, he is a friend. He is prince. legend. Yeah. Uh, he is legend. So, yeah, in any event, I, I, I mostly was just watching how much everyone combusted around the subject. Yeah. And everybody has an opinion. And again, the only thing I will really harp on is it, he could have shown a little bit more restraint. If you really want to make a point, like you could have just yelled and popped off and gotten angry that way. But, you know, yeah, a public yeah, assault yeah, yeah. is a public assault. So I'm like, yeah, kudos to Chris Rock for taking that in stride and being professional and just running with it. But yeah, I, I don't think there's anybody who escapes unscathed out of this. Uh, but no, 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 no. I don't intend to be too serious on this. But it's just weird how divisive everything is these days. Like we have to shore up sides around everything. There just can't be a middle ground where you're like, yeah, everybody was kind of shitty in this. Like it, it, there's always this weird sort of like let's teeter totter this and just see how everybody shakes out. Can we meet in the middle here and say that? that whole event and happening would have been improved tenfold by somebody in the audience yelling, grab his dick and twist it. <laughs> you know what? <laughs> I agree. Where's my, non, where's my non, where's my non, but saving the best for last Courtney, you got anything to throw in here? Got any hot takes? I don't have any hot takes. I'm kind of with Shane on the, like, it was just, like, bad all around. Like, because Will Smith was seen laughing at the joke, and then he got mad about the joke. And for me, that's weird. And, like, I could understand how his wife would not like the joke. It was a joke about something inflicted by her autoimmune disorder as someone with an autoimmune disorder. Like, yeah, I don't think jokes about it are that funny, but I think it was an overreaction. I personally think that he should have grabbed Chris Rock's dick and twisted it. <laughs> well, personally, I think that Greedo shot first. You're not wrong. We I can think agree on we're that. all in agreement with that. <laughs> Indeed. And that uh, is canon. So it's a hand cannon. (laughs) (laughs) See the size of that hand cannon he pointed at us? All right. So uh, obviously we have defunct the concept of having just a quick, you know, introduction and into the episode. Uh, So congratulations, Duan. You have officially incepted John that it is better to do this. Back on our bullshit. Yeah. Market zero. Um, so 
I should explain to the listening audience here that what we typically do on this show is we will delve into random esoteric topics. In the course of explaining them to one another, we will lie about them occasionally. That is the fun shtick that we have founded the show on. But of course, it is then incumbent upon the co-hosts to then call out the lies as we hear them, ferret the fact from the fiction, if you will. And, uh, you know, that's the game. It's fun. But we will not allow you, the listener, to leave disinformed. Oh, no, no, no. We have a little denouement at the end of the episode. We tell you what it was that we fibbed about and why it was supposed to be funny and perhaps fell short of the goal, as it all too often does in my installments, which are not very cash money, as Michael will tell you. But they are. Uh, I disagree. A I think blast. they're... They're so uh, cash I will reiterate, yeah. because of a loud noise, it is not very cash money, as Michael will tell you. It is, however, a Baja Blast, Shane. It is, indeed. No, I think it, I think they're very cash money. This is officially the cursed episode, because like before that, our doorbell rang, my dog started barking, <laughs> 30 seconds passed, and then the buzzer went off on the dryer. So, all together, I'm giving I, you so much to work with you're here, you're Michael. Giving a, you're giving us a symphony of background noise. Indeed. Indeed. Yes. Or a Rube Goldberg of podcast editing. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, enjoy. Keep all that in. It's very important for the, okay. the listeners oh, to know yeah. the, yeah, the hurdles you have to clear in order to bring them this glorious content. If we add a, you know, trigger at the, or not a trigger, if we add, you know, a preface or a disclaimer at the beginning, then we're all good, right? The audience has had enough trigger, I think, over the past two weeks. I, I think we've disabused that. them of ever wanting to hear about trigger again. <sighs> Darn it. Yeah, I usually need to like give myself a little bit of a ramp up time before I can trigger again. Mm-hmm. Well, you're 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 not in your twenties anymore. It's understandable. You do need yeah. a little reload time. Yeah, I really do. Yes. Well, uh ladies, gentlemen, germaphobes, all of you out there, today is a day that must be marked on a calendar somewhere because a rare occurrence, much like a leap year or perhaps a, a lunar eclipse is going to occur because there is going to be a topic presented by a man in a purple shirt. Oh, my God. And that man is me. Allegedly. Whoa. Indeed. That's <laughs> very cash money. <laughs> now. <laughs> hey, I Michael, I think Legal just sent you something. <laughs> Said, Damn, do it, you know? said, do it, you won't? Uh, no, I actually <laughs> think it said, we have trademarked cash money, Michael Clark. <laughs> so you now have a quota to say that at least 12 times an episode. Oh, I'll run it into the ground. Yeah, that is the well, Michael catchphrase of the future. That is a and promise. You will not believe your eyes. <sighs> if 10,000 cash money flies? <laughs> you will not believe your eyes. You won't. You will not believe your eyes well i'm happy to be here today guys Good. <laughs> well that's new <laughs> that makes one of us <laughs> thank you don I, uh, <laughs> I i pivoted because i was like you know what i could really put my head down and bang out the testament of solomon you know the the part two that i have in the works bullshit I could really do a great i i, I could really just nail it we're already starting with the lies, okay. Yeah, but then I decided uh, I, I got a random idea, and I was like, if this isn't too difficult, because I don't want to research, um, <laughs> then I'm going to go with it. So that's what I went with today. Um, Public assault. I, yeah. Before I get started. There <laughs> We're going to talk about the slap heard around the world. And there are five lies. 
today. Ooh. Nice. I think it's probably the most lies I've ever had in, a, in one of my topics, considering I've only had like three topics. Um, <laughs> but some prefatory matters. Ooh, look at you, Stephen King in this. Yeah, the shining. Uh, 2015 was an interesting time for our country. Former New England Patriot star Aaron Hernandez was found guilty and sentenced to life in prison without parole after killing Odin Lloyd. <coughs> Bethesda finally released Fallout 4. <laughs> Are you okay, Shane? <laughs> you watched three football games in your life and you're going to start throwing out athlete names. Okay. <laughs> Well, in 2015, Bethesda also finally released Fallout 4. Mm -hmm. Alamo Drafthouse opened its doors for the first time. The Supreme Court made a landmark decision voting to allow same-sex couples to marry nationwide. The Hateful Eight was released, and that's now my favorite Tarantino movie. It's in the running. But truth be told, the best thing that happened in all of 2015 was that my favorite band, The Deer Hunter, released their album act four rebirth and reprise holy (laughs) shit also first off is the uh, legalizing marriage for the whole country bullshit because i thought that was a slightly earlier than that than 2015 Uh, no but it's 2015 oh well i feel a little bit more disgusted with our country anyway continue yeah well, <laughs> if you Man. listen to our phone, what are you okay, Shane? I uh, spoke too soon about, you know, landmark things that would never occur. <laughs> and suddenly, like two seasons in a movie, you're completing your story God arc. Damn. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it feels good. Um, in are, case you are, haven't are you listened give to us our a... podcast. Okay, good. <laughs> yes. Or rather, the first few episodes, you'll know that I talked about the Deer Hunter before. Uh, formed in 2005 by Casey, Casey Crescenzo, Deer Hunter was created as an island of misfit songs that didn't fit into his other project at the time, The Receiving End of si- Sirens. Excuse me. When Casey departed from Sirens, he began seriously digging into the material and shortly put out a demo and then a debut LP that began a series of five, potentially six at this point, concept albums called The Axe. Yes, sir. No, I was just crossing my fingers. Oh, sick. For the I, I, I need six. another. Yes, I need another album. And this is neither here nor there, but I've heard that Act 6, if it does end up happening, might not even be an album. It might just be like a, a show, a movie, a play. Like, there's speculation on what it's going to yeah, be. Yeah, it was supposed to be some sort of a film at some point. He was quoted as saying that it's not going to be a traditional rock album uh, if, it come, if it ends up being a thing. Um, and also, they recently sold a box set that includes an insert for an Act 6, if it ever does exist on vinyl, which Ooh. I thought was interesting. Anyway. So Foreshadowing. Episode, yes. On episode five of our show, I told whoever listened to the episode about the first three albums in the series. But for those new to the show, I'm going to do a recap. And it is long-winded, but we're doing the whole story today. So a little recap and then finishing it out. Yes, Shane? Wait. Your Google Doc is still functioning. It is still functioning. Okay, and let's not. If you look at our analytics and you see one person listen to that episode this week, it was me to make sure. <laughs> Bro, it wasn't episode five. Congratulations, three. you caught a lie. I was like, wait a fucking minute. <laughs> that was your first episode that you presented. Get out of here. That was the WWE uh, yeah, Hall figured, of Fame, and figured. I had to cheat to look it up. <sighs> I figured I would throw that in there. You threw me off my game. I haven't had John lies in so long. I, you know, I'm just not prepared for your delivery. You got to set yourself back two seasons in order to get back into the mindset for these lies. The They're going to be list lies. Back in town. <laughs> Number lies. 
Yeah, the whole smorgasbord. You know, Indeed. I will. I did heavily debate after re-listening to that episode on just not doing a single lie and making that the the completed arc. No, because okay. <laughs> I teased that then. But anyway, uh. so the acts part one through three take place at the turn of the twentieth century and tells the tale of a boy named Hunter, born of a prostitute by the name of Miss Terry mystery uh while pregnant with hunter miss terry decided to flee from the city she was working in to properly raise her son they live in a foresty area near a lake and a river the city she escaped from is politically and spiritually manipulated by the local priest referred to as the pimp and the priest who in addition to running the church also runs a brothel called the dime he exists in a cycle of absolving sins in the daylight and creating sins at night uh time passes and hunter's mother passes away uh and by passes away, she was murdered um, when he is a teenager. <laughs> After he buries her, he falls into an existential crisis out of nowhere uh, and decides to leave the lake in the river uh, to catch a train and move to the city and see what life has in store for him. On the train, the Delphi Express, he encounters for the first time an oracle. Uh, disguised as transients on, on the train, they warn Hunter not to move to the city, uh, just return to a simple life. Nothing good's going to happen uh, if he continues on. Uh, he ignores them, and he continues on anyway. It's here that he finds the city and the dime, subsequently, uh, and also a woman named Misleading. He's naive and doesn't realize that she is, in fact... A sex worker. He loses his virginity and falls head over heels for the gal. Like and you what, do. <laughs> yeah. And what feels like a win-win, he's also offered a job as a limo driver by the pimp and the priest so that he can perceivably keep seeing misleading. So anyway, during the day and into the night, he drives misleading around, oblivious to what all the stops mean in the route. Um <laughs> One day during a stop, he realizes that misleading has left something behind in the limo and he runs after her to return it to her and walks in on her. Well, uh, hard at work, uh, heartbroken <laughs> in flagrante, if you will, <laughs> heartbroken and drunk. He writes a letter with a lot of strong words towards misleading that he throws into the sea before enlisting in the army to go join the war efforts of World War One. While on the ship, the oracles from earlier return and encourage him to not go to the war and maybe just to go back to the lake and the river and he ignores their advice <laughs> how many times do i have to tell you old man i don't want to go back <laughs> you're a bum you're dirt <laughs> get out of here <laughs> listen there's just not much to look at there's like a tree and a river and then like two foxes fucking and that's it there ain't nothing left. There's only only so thing I got to talk to is my left hand. My right <laughs> one's busy. Only so many times you can jack it to pictures of titties you drew in the dirt. <laughs> I disagree with that. Not with patently. that attitude. <laughs> in his 20s and now active in the war effort, uh, Hunter witnesses the darkness of humanity, fights in countless battles, and genuinely and generally gets the humanity stomped out of him. Uh, after narrowly avoiding death in a particularly gruesome battle, he stumbles upon a woman um, who masquerades as like a helpful merchant. But in fact, uh, she's hiding a secret, and that's that she secretly poisons all the men that she sells product to. Uh, so they refer to her as the poison woman. Uh, she's hiding... Oh, da, 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 da. Edit that. Cut that. Cut that. Uh, she gifts him... <laughs> cut it! <laughs> cut it quick! <laughs> she gifts him a vial of poison instead of killing him. 
he leaves and he's stumbling around trying to get back to camp. And then he also stumbles upon a thief by the name of Pierre who tickles the existential dread and hunter by explaining the reason that he prefers to steal from the dead. They don't have a use for earthly possessions anymore. Like why, why leave it behind? Mm-hmm. If you can Ooh, that make tickles good use me existentially. Um, <laughs> I was just so, waiting for Michael to throw. I was very tempted. I was very tempted. I figured I would do one overused trope on my end uh oh i see well Uh, it's also worth noting once a hunter got off the boat he turned to everyone's that's actually what the song king of swords is about indeed Um, well it was set in the country the french countryside right so he was terrorizing the public in one way or another he was terrorizing the country it's one of my favorite wrestlers Yes, terrorizing. Um, well, continuing Hunter's streak of amazing luck, he winds up in another battle, one that introduces him and the world to mustard gas. Uh, right when he thinks he will die, he's saved by a fellow soldier who eerily looks just like him. Uh, and I put in a trigger warning in case we're still doing those, just to be safe. <laughs> yeah, you know. um, later on, uh, the two men are drinking in a bar and overhear a captain loudly boasting of his sexual conquests, uh, proceeding to detail um, having had uh, forceful sex with a woman from the dime. Uh, by description, it sounds exactly like Hunter's mom, Miss Terry. The captain has a son, and that's the man who saved Hunter's life. And what kind of happens or is alluded to is that Hunter is a half, or they're half brothers, is is the general gist that, that you get here. Um, and the father is, of course, the man who woohooed uh, his mother. Um, <laughs> Hunter is happy to have a hat brother, but conflicted on how to feel about the father because of, well, the father. reasons. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, shortly the, the after. Woo-hoo. Yeah. Shortly okay, after so all this, this story down. is now going to turn into a tale of many woohoos. Yeah, very much so. <laughs> So shortly after Hunter's half-brother's killed in action, his last words roughly telling Hunter that they look so much alike that he might as well go back to the city and, I guess, America, um, and assume his identity with a new life. After, of course, killing the father so that there's no one else alive that really could, you know, refute that it's him. Mm -hmm. So Hunter does this by using the poison he received from the poison woman. Woman, sorry. And the end of Act 3 sees Hunter heading back to the city to assume a new life with his half-brother's identity. Like I said, a little bit long-winded recapping all that because it is a little dense. It's it necessary. was it was very necessary, yes, because this was a hundred and thirty-five episodes ago. But I feel like that was a pretty good, like previously on the deer. Hunt. Oh yeah, yeah most no, no, definitely. And I, I feel caught up. I remember a lot of the stuff that happened. And uh, no, no puns here, but I'm I'm still going to use broad strokes when we get through the rest of the story because Act Four and Act Five are dance in my opinion, meant to be consumed in one chunk anyway, which is why I stopped at Act 3. And yeah, I'm mm. chunking here. Yeah, I'm chunking <laughs> here. Um, and I re-listened to the whole Act series while putting this together, and it holds up so, so well. Um, I'll put a link in the show notes. There's a YouTube video that compiles all the motifs and call, like, foreshadowing, call responses throughout the whole uh, the whole series, and it's pretty great. Uh, yeah, it's extraordinarily well written and exceedingly well composed. Uh, it has a lot of orchestral elements, which we talked about previously yeah. as well, which you gotta love. In fact, um, after Act Five came out, I think it was actually near COVID time, they put out what's called uh, "The Fox and the Hunt," which is all orchestral versions and like reimaginings, like like remixy stuff of Act Four and Five. Because Act Ooh. 4 and 5 were recorded secretly all at once. Um, 
and they want balls to the wall. Like Acts 1 through 3, there's a lot of like digital stuff that they did, like virtual instruments. But on Act 4 and 5, they actually got the Awesome Orchestra. Um, I think they're based out of San Francisco. Um, and they found funding to get an actual orchestra to record on both of the albums. Oh. So they are massive. And the reason they're massive is because they're authentic. Authentic. Oh. Um, but anyway, that's as I was going to go into more about production details, and then I realized that the story is longer than I thought, so I decided to kind of leave. I was going to dive in and try and find nerdy shit, but I was going to say, "What's the budget?" So I can call bullshit on it, right? Um, well, <laughs> wow, Michael, you're being so sorry. Mean today. That was that can honestly that was mean. That was mean. I'm sorry, John. We all know, actually, all know that he is the meanest member of the podcast. So. I uh, am tonight. In point of fact, though, that joke was very cash money of you. That was Thank actually you. very cash money. <laughs> well, and here we go. And let's uh, let's hope this doesn't fall off the rails because I didn't proofread some of this. And I wrote some of this really drunk and high. Uh, okay. Oh. <laughs> okay. I actually am now really, really excited to Man. The, for the presentation. Suddenly I feel like I'm on stage again. <laughs> <laughs> the flashbacks. I'm not The PTSD. Uh, yeah, that's uh. what I was saying. Yeah, I was just waiting for one another band member to just fall down. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> the only time that I fall down is when drunk girls do somersaults and knock a mic into my teeth. Nobody wants a mic in their teeth. <laughs> Listen, I was making them very vigorously shake their money makers, so I, I couldn't be helped. Play, Which was very cash tonight. money. Yeah. God damn it. <laughs> Act four is where the story resumes. And it, it starts, it opens with Hunter and Pierre the Thief talking about the meaninglessness. Meaning, meaninglessness? Meaninglessnessness. Of life. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> time passes and we find Hunter on a boat just shy of arriving back in America. He spends this time, it's, it's very like expositional, like reflecting on misleading how he was hurt in the city how that relationship led him to you know go to the war he thinks about his mother the the whole nine the oracles visit him again as a cautionary motif to what could lay ahead if he isn't careful advice of course that he ignores uh so back in america (laughs) (laughs) you are my dad that's like the tragic thing like because it is a tragedy the story yes and that is the tragic thing and that's why the oracles are there and every single time, and you know that like there's a very particular way that you can tell that it's the oracles in the songwriting structure, and it just sucks because like you want to root for this guy, but you don't know why. He doesn't give you a lot of reasons to root for him. You know? Yeah, I mean, much like someone who I have a lot of affection for, it's as though Hunter keeps saying, well, it hasn't fallen off yet, and uh, just proceeds <laughs> to keep... He definitely lives his life like a twat. He drives it like he, he like he stole it. Let's say that. Um, so back in America, he assumes the role of the son. So it, look, when story explanations happen, they use the term the son with a capital S mm-hmm. um, to indicate his half-brother. So he returns to the deceased man's mother. She accepts, accepts him with open arms, happy to see her son after also losing her husband, though she's quietly suspicious that he is not actually her son. <gasps> Drama. <laughs> You smell different. <laughs> <laughs> just we like can... hugs, and then you just hear a... <laughs> you smell different. I've never used camphor in my life. What are you doing? <laughs> Is that a new shampoo? I thought you were a Dapper Dan man. Indeed. It's the briny depths of the ocean I've just come from, mother. <laughs> <laughs> well... Hunter later 
at some point in the the first, I think it, they never established a time frame, but I would imagine within the first week of him being back, um, is kidnapped and he's freaking the fuck out. But then he realizes that he was kidnapped by a couple of his half brother's friends, thinking. You know, he's assuming this role now. Like he, this is his life, so he has to like, oh fuck, yeah, you got me, good guys. Oh, Instead of like oh, literally thinking, Buster. thinking that he was about to die. Um, but they take him out on the town to celebrate, which is a night on the town, uh, which is a very popular song in their discography. Mm-hmm. Um, during this time, while getting drunk and catching up, they tell the boy that his fiance must be excited to see him, which is kind of news to Hunter. Uh, oh, <laughs> <Uh-oh. laughs> drama! Yeah, and he's trying to maintain uh, his identity, you know, and not like let it slip. Uh, he gets <laughs> drunk with his newfound friends, wondering if they knew that it's not really him, and pretending like if they don't care, like if they notice that it's not a one-to-one relationship but it's close enough you know like maybe he's just fucked up from the war and it's like like, imagine the paranoia that has to exist in your mind when you're trying to assume someone else's identity with no frame of reference for who that person is or any of their circumstances yeah and that's what i was thinking when i was looking at the story again where it's like Okay, so you need to maintain your identity, but then you go and you get just shit house wrecked with your with these guys. Like mm-hmm. <laughs> it doesn't it doesn't really track for me because I would not be able to keep that secret in. It's also yeah. like there's only so much that shell shock can explain away. Right. <laughs> He's dancing on the floor. Oh no, it's just because of the war. Don't worry about it. <laughs> um so during this evening, he's looking up the moon and he's existentially wondering, which is basically his trope, is just staring up at the sky, being like, why? Very Luke Skywalker <laughs> yes. of him. Just um, He wonders how long he can keep the stolen identity bit um, and wonders if he should just end the charade. Um, it's about, during this time frame, in the 20s-ish and everyone's celebrating the end of the war. Um, Hunter Hour cannot enjoy the celebration as he tries to maintain the identity. This is rambling on. Uh, during the drunken night, though, he does notice someone kind of important uh, working behind the bar, and that is misleading. She's oh, back in the picture, baby. More drama! <laughs> <laughs> You're gonna crumb. Ding, um, ding! Before I'm gonna he chunk. Up- Oh, Jesus. <laughs> All this so, drama, man. That's actually what Hunter is thinking, too. He's like, if I see her again, I'm going to chunk. Uh, but before and he me has a without chance... taking my drama mean. <laughs> <laughs> before he can do anything, though, he passes out from overconsumption. Um, the how, story... does, how does that song end? Does it just end, like, abruptly, or does it actually end like a normal yeah. song? Because I feel like um, if it's singing so... about him blacking out and passing out, I feel like I... it should just cut off. I know for a fact that in the the time of our friendship that you've accidentally heard the song like playing at the bar. If I was picking the most, music. most likely, yes. Uh, but he was drunk. On the, yeah, I mean, me too. Like um, me, yeah, <laughs> mostly all the time. A night on the town is just shy of ten minutes long. Um, <laughs> That's usually how long I last on on the town. That was a bad joke. Continue. <laughs> I was so afraid of where that was going. Oh, man. Yeah, my, my butthole clenched a little bit. Yeah. And, uh... um, yeah. So it's a pretty traditional song structure for the most part. Um, the the end tale is him seeing misleading. And what they do is there's a motif that was in act two uh, from the song, the bittersweet. So they, they tease in the bittersweet to indicate musically that uh, the character has returned. Uh, the game is afoot. The game is afoot. So it's essentially like her theme, like the music that she's known for comes back in. And that's how you as a listener picks up that she's there. Anyway, 
and then it, and then it ends. Yeah, it like kind of like drifts off and tails off like you're falling asleep. Oh, cool. Okay, I appreciate so. that. I like that. The story picks up as Hunter wakes up and is introduced to his fiance for the first time, uh, now adopted <laughs> into the life that he's stolen. <laughs> you she smell different. Yeah, you <laughs> smell different. I remember it bending to the left. This is new. <laughs> You I'm, know that I'm is no a definite. Bald, though. I know the bald. <laughs> Man, you really hope you don't like Michael Jackson before you. You hope you don't have any identifying characteristics that could have been drawn in a sketch. <laughs> <laughs> she doesn't seem surprised to find him hungover after a night of heavy binge drinking and this makes hunter quietly wonder how hard he's gonna even have to try to assimilate into this life because in his head he has his war hero half brother as like a god um and then he's just here's like oh yeah you're a degenerate makes sense that i found you basically asleep in your own puke um (laughs) ah typical monday huh okay but in a in a song um where she's the main point of view you learn that the fiance realizes that the man she was in love with is different from who he is now uh they're walking to church that morning and the fiance is wondering if the war changed hunter or the son and questions like what happened to their love because he's not acting the same because he's not Mm -hmm. uh the fiance (laughs) concludes that this isn't uh the man that she fell in love with and she doesn't know exactly who hunter is but she keeps inferring that you know that there might be those like familial bonds Uh, and even though that her husband or husband-to-be died in the war she can see how broken hunter is as a person i guess it's very wish-washy here and it's not a very compelling character because she's like well if he's broken enough to fake his identity he must really need this i'll check it out i'll stick around (laughs) (laughs) sounds legit i'll hang and that's not bullshit like (laughs) <laughs> learning act four and five story again this is the part that was really weird for me to like wrap my head around mm. because if becky came back home after the book club that she's at tonight and she had a her other and i could i found out by deducing that it wasn't her i don't think i would stick around and be chill with that like i <laughs> let's see where this turn let's see where this ends let's go yeah for i wouldn't it. be like i contrary to what shane believes i wouldn't be like well, if my dick doesn't fall off, I guess I can have a fun uh-huh. wife. Uh-huh. <laughs> well, I mean, let's also put ourselves in the proper context here, as you are talking about the war. So there are not a lot of available young men just ambling around. You lost a significant amount. So, I mean, she's basically kind of going, eh, probably not a lot of other options. So well, this guy's here, and he still leans to the left. So why not? No news kinda, is good He kind of looks like my dead, you know, future husband. So... Hey, good enough. Close my eyes, yeah. But he uh-huh. fucks like a god. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I think no he might Dana, have been only a Zool. little bit. <laughs> <laughs> so they, they back to the story. Uh, <laughs> they get to church, and Hunter notices a very familiar face, and that <gasps> is the pimp and the priest. Uh, during the time, like the war, effectively shut the dime down. So. The priest has to save souls the old-fashioned way now. You know, he can't tip the scales. He actually has to, you know, save face. Uh, He gives a roaring sermon um, about how corrupt the city overall is, um, while still implying the more money in his pocket, the better the chances that overall salvation will be, um, which I don't see the fiction there. Nope. (laughs) um, You're not wrong. This story is modeled after real events. Uh, (laughs) 
Hunter is oddly stirred by this monologue, and I think a lot of it has to do with seeing basically your nemesis at this point. Mm. Like, God damn yous. <laughs> he just sits there and he just points the whole time at him like, I'm <laughs> on to your tricks. Like the angry monkey on Family Guy. Yes, yeah. exactly what I was picturing. Okay. <laughs> well, this, fills, this fills this character with a sense of revenge, and Hunter decides the best way that he can fight the corruption in the city is by running and becoming mayor, like running for and becoming mayor of the town. So, so he wants to fix the, the problems from within. It's the Jesse Ventura story. Sure. Someone is laughing somewhere. <laughs> and it's probably a resident of the great state of Minnesota. Probably. Uh, Indeed. The fiance loves this idea for Hunter, even using her father's role as a senator to help Hunter campaign. Uh, meanwhile, the pimp and the priest also has noticed Hunter, and he's waiting in the background of this because he knows that it truly is Hunter. Like he he recognizes the boy that used to work for him years ago, um, and he decides to hold on to that secret uh, to unleash it at the right time. Drama. You, you imagine? <laughs> God, Michael. <laughs> <laughs> you just envision the pimp and the priest slinking up to the pulpit, essentially with a little snake-like uh, pair of nostrils, and going. Ah. Hunter, the boy who lived, come <laughs> to die. And that is two episodes in a row. Uh, uh, that's great, though. Actually, what they show him wearing, I mean, it could be Voldemort underneath. But what they Indeed. show him wearing on the, actually, the cover of Act 4 is this mm-hmm. dude walking around in a plague mask In a plague outfit, mask, yes. And that is the character of the Pimp and the Priest. That is absolutely my my favorite. One, it's my favorite album of the cycle, and it's also my favorite cover. That It's so it's really emblematic cool. and like just the iconography of having the Plague Doctor kind of visage is really disturbing and impactful when you see it. You're like, oh, okay, I got this. Yeah, so nerdy side note here. Um, the cover art for Act 4 and Act 5 were done by the same person. And when that box set got released that I was mentioning earlier on in the episode, they hired that person to come back and redesign the first three covers so that everything would be matched in the same artistic Ooh. style. Um, and you could Google that. Or I could, if, I, I will forget, but if one mm. of you reminds me, I will find the images and link it into the show notes. Done. Anyway, so time passes um, and the election cycle progresses with it. Hunter is becoming very popular with all the help that he has, and with this popularity comes more opposition. And while he started with the best of intentions on running a clean race and being the change he wants to see in the world, he very quickly finds himself falling into the old trap of manipulating situations to get rid of him, get rid of opponents. He 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 starts because he Harvey dents himself a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, his fiance warns him of this reckless behavior and how he is straying from his message. And in tradition, he ignores the advice. Um, <laughs> he is back on the escalator again. <laughs> He's back on the escalator, and he also wins the election. Uh, Misleading sees the news of the election results and immediately knows again that it's Hunter. So, guy's not very good at keeping secrets. I mean, I guess he only ran with like one crowd before he wants the war. So, anyway, they all magically find out that he is alive and well, and she uh, she catches up with him, and they hit it off right where they left off. And now that he's oh. older and he's gone to war, you know, he's 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 hardened in more ways than one. He's a um, man now. <laughs> Uh, so, 
<laughs> you smell different. <laughs> Must so, have been all that time in the briny depths. <laughs> so they start having an affair, and Hunter morally justifies this to himself by by being one like, well, this is the girl that I lost my virginity to. And also, like, the election kind of put a damper on my marriage. Uh, like, I didn't choose to... Like, it's, he's like, I didn't choose to be married to this broad. Like, I just came back across the sea. And... Drama. Anyway. I mean, really, it's it's only my dick that's going into misleading. And it's, you know, the son's dick I have to use on this other woman. Uh, yeah, he's leading a double life. He's, he's he Hulk Hoganing have- this. Yes, he's playing the whole, like, well, Terry Bollea, you know, he's, he's uh, average. But, you know, Hulk Hogan has, like, a nine-inch dick, brother. <laughs> what if it's even worse and he's like, he's like, yeah, you've heard of one Christmas, but what about two Christmas? <laughs> what about second, second Christmas? Elevensies. <laughs> <laughs> New Year's. St. Patrick's Day. <laughs> he's just going around, like, going to dinner parties with both of them and changing the outfit. Uh, no, he's doing the two-face route. He's just <laughs> kind of like half suit on either side. and Yeah. Well, Hunter gets down to mayoral business, and first thing first, he goes after the pimp and the priest, just like he was planning to do all along. Uh, he wants to destroy the dime and then expose him for the snake that he really is. And by snake, I... Of course, I mean, he's Voldemort. He wants to expose that he's actually Voldemort. Um, however, before he can even begin, uh, he's approached by the pimp and the priest himself. And he tells him or tells Hunter that he knows his identity. He knows that who his mom was. He knows who he is, who he was, who he fucking. Uh, <laughs> I know who you're with. <laughs> and he essentially is like, hey, at this point, like if I exposed everything, it would kind of cripple the city. It wouldn't really do much good outside of just ruining the infrastructure of everything that we all know. So how about instead of me ruining everyone's life, you just do me some favors here and there and you don't tell anybody what I do and you don't come after me. It's in our best interest that you and I remain friends. Yes. Uh, So Act 4 ends on this very Empire Strikes Back note um, with Hunter kind of being in disarray because he's been planning for the course of you know months and months and months now how he was going to win only to have found out that it was an empty gesture you know like Uh, and again be careful what you wish for you you just might get it yep so that's the end of act four and we are on to the final act that has been released and that would be act five we return to the story for a final time with the oracles and they're telling hunter that uh they're basically done with this bullshit he's gone too far they've he's ignored them at every turn of the way they've given him nothing but opportunities to not be here and they essentially tell him you're gonna die but we're gonna cross our fingers that it's not too painful bye and then they bounce (laughs) so a time jump has happened again so after every album it's almost like a chapter in this guy's life so some you know He's in his 30s uh, at the beginning of this act, and he's strung out in an opium den. Um, Adding addiction to the list of his moral crimes, he also recounts his affair with misleading and his partnership now with the Pimp and the Priest, because I guess the Pimp and the Priest has, surprise, surprise, been extorting him and making him do more and more and, you know, using his position as mayor to get more things passed. Um, In a drug-fueled vision, he sees his mother, who tells him that that only by doing right towards his younger self uh, can he truly be redeemed, which he just chalks up to a hallucination. 
So, as he stumbles high through the city, he thinks on how he's not followed up on any of his mayoral promises. Anything he does now uh, politically is met with disdain, and he's become a puppet, much like the ones that he was seeking to replace and get rid of altogether. Um, During this drug-addled trip, he finds himself in the church, and he kind of just passes out in a pew. And he wakes up to hear his nemesis telling a parable about a gambler who tried to win against the devil himself. Despite almost winning, he ultimately showed his hand too soon and lost his soul. And he's like, I'm sitting right here, dude. Like, <laughs> Bro. Drama? Is this Shots show about us? Yeah. So, the, like I was saying before, the pimp and the priest is using Hunter's position um, to fund the reopening of the dime. Is essentially like what he was getting at. Um Hunter realizes that the pimp and the priest is even more relentless than he thought and only has one silver lining, and that's that he still gets to smash misleading because that's the only thing that really keeps him sane at this point is that sweet, sweet meat. Um, So, (laughs) Uh, Why did you put it that way? Mrs. Lovett's meat pies? (laughs) I guess you can never forget your first or your 110th. Um, we are then introduced to a new character, and that is Mr. Usher, which probably would be Michael's favorite song on the album because it's a big band jazz song. Mm-hmm. Ooh. Uh, but <laughs> Ooh, <laughs> like that you're, you're dancing like the girl from Ipanema just came on. <laughs> well, that song I can starts, just picture it. Starts with a nice Groovy. like Usher, Usher, right? That's how that one mm-hmm. goes. Yeah, it does. It's all. It's actually just acapella. Yeah, okay. and then right after that, it goes, yeah! <laughs> Butterfly okay. in the sky! Um, <laughs> success of the dime is heard far and wide, and that includes Mr. Usher. Mr. Usher is a relic of his time, someone far worse than the pimp and the priest. Once a politician, uh, he's a very successful businessman who has ties to the mafia. Secretly, we learn that he is the literal devil, um, and he wants the dime. He likes what the pimp and the priest has built, and he thinks that maybe he could do it even better. Maybe get some souls, you know, farm to table. So, <laughs> well done. <laughs> Mr. Usher heads to the city and finds the best route to get what he wants, the dime, is to take control of Hunter, and then it'll, you know, so on and so forth. Mm-hmm. So Mr. Usher approaches Hunter with an offer of taking down the pimp and the priest, promising him a way out. Hunter sees the evil within Mr. Usher, and through the course of a conversation, which the song uh, is called The Haves Have Not, there's two vocalists on the song. There's Casey, and then the second verse is their pianist at the time, Gavin Castleton. Um, it sounds like a Disney song. Like, you could, I could literally, like, when you hear the song, if you're not seeing animation, uh, you're, well, I guess we're not on the same drugs, so it's probably not going to happen, but... Uh, <laughs> It has also Bro. a very Sweeney Todd esque sort of because they're going around and talking about the certain positions that people have and sort of the the charlatans out in the public essentially. They they even do um oh my god, I just pieced it together now. I think they do a Lydian scale uh harmony. Whoa. So the Lydian scale is very popular in uh like Disney and triumphant music. So the Lydian mm-hmm. scale is meant to sound like you know, you're rising and you're rising and you're rising. Right. So in the haves have not, like, Gavin and Casey harmonize with their narrative viewpoints, much like a Disney duet. Anyway, sorry for, for the, you know, the tirade there. But That's what we're here for. 
We were so, just talking about how Willie Nelson's fingers blissfully glide over guitar strings for two episodes. I think we can indulge you in a little music theory. Just well. a little. Uh, it just proves that I do retain some of the information on YouTube. Indeed. Um, <laughs> take that, Michael. You I know what? Pictures and information, and I got both. Strangely enough, you smell different. <laughs> <laughs> um, so the conversation that they have in that song is that Hunter sees the citizens of the city as people trying to find happiness in a world of just darkness. You know, it's like you're, it's their responsibility to provide opportunities for their life to be better. Uh, meanwhile, Mr. Usher sees them as tools, um, a means to an end. So Mr. Usher encourages Hunter to consider his offer and Hunter's just left wondering how evil Mr. Usher truly can be. In the background, Hunter and his wife, or now his wife, was the fiance, had mm-hmm. a child. And even though their relationship is broken, Hunter loves his son more than anything he could have ever imagined, even more than cheating on his wife, apparently. Uh, so <laughs> <laughs> he also fully knows now that the city's too corrupt to be saved. So he's like Batman throwing in the fucking towel. Um, so he thinks of ways to get out like things like he just wants to escape the situation and he comes to the realization that he should just send his wife and his child back to the lake in the river to the cabin where he grew up and maybe like that's the escape route like they'll they'll set up a life there it worked before yeah so he sends them there they they're, they're gone they're out of the city um mr usher is continuing on his evil plans and approaches the pimp and the priest like the slippery devil he is. And he explains that Hunter is slipping from his control and that in order to keep him in line, he has to show him how far he's willing to go to go and <laughs> to, they go. Des- to, to go. Uh, they decide the best way to show Hunter a lesson is to kill misleading, which they do. Whoa. So when Hunter learns of this, he becomes a little bit angry at these knuckleheads. Uh, Just also, they were being too crazy. Yeah. He also realizes that misleading's now dead. His wife and child are safe in an undisclosed location to the other guys. So he can approach the situation a little more directly. So what he does um, in retaliation is just burn down the dime. He just goes, you know, just berserk and just burns the fucker to the ground. However, he doesn't take into account of wind uh, and he starts catching the city on fire around the dime, which I'm thinking back on and like how the infrastructure was back in those times. Like it probably would happen just like that. It would probably be a huge domino. Um, yeah, the uh, the best laid plans of mice and men oft go ablaze, apparently. Yeah. So the citizens see the church on fire, and they're a little bit angry. And the the pimp and the priest comes around, and he's like, you know what? You should be a lot more angry. Uh, And he finally tells basically the whole town who Hunter really is. A man with a stolen identity who killed somebody to get it. A cynic who burned the house of God to the ground. (laughs) Uh, The wolf coming for his flock and convinces them that they have to kill the wolf before the wolf kills them. So the angry mob is gathered, and they all march to Hunter's house, where the pimp and the priest enters alone. Inside, the pimp and the priest tells Hunter, essentially, you are fucked. You are so fucked. You are fucking fuck. You fucking suck. And um, not in the way that you used to <laughs> to you know pay for previously. Hunter has his Marvel uh, 
cinematic universe moment of i've been the deer hunter all along no uh (laughs) what if the deer hunter was the hunters we met along the way um (laughs) he he accepts his identity in this moment realizing you know he's backs to a wall so he just stabs the pimp and the priest to death like he's he's Rage too, like this. This guy killed his killed his fuck buddy. So you know, you got and his mother. Let's not forget, which is the more important (laughs) aspect here. And I just imagine Mister Usher far back from the mob, just slow stroking it because this is exactly how his plan was designed. He, you can't lose if you don't have competition. So he pits them both against each other, so they both die, so he can take over the town. Um, so Hunter probably blood on his hands, knows that his life is basically over at this point. (laughs) The mob's definitely not going to let him live. He set, not only did he set the church on fire, he killed the priest. (laughs) Yeah, like... Not talking your way um, out of this one. Like, I swear this is just altruism. He just fell on my knife 30 times. (laughs) I don't know why he kept doing it. It's another slip and fall accident. Seriously. I, I he just got up and he fell forward. He got up, slipped. He fell backwards. And it was really am, slippery. I'm yeah. oddly triggered on his by blood, that, but because I the movie that I was mentioning that I saw earlier was the new Ty West movie called X, and there is definitely a scene just like that. Um, anyway, so with no way out, really, a hunter, and I think they never really described geography, and I don't know how you really would in a music. You know, yeah, like, yeah, whatever. But it's alluded to that he lives close to the river, maybe on a cliffside or a hillside. So he just decides to leap to his death into the river. So, Like you do. And his final seconds, which is the last song in Act 5, he sees images kind of like, oh my god, it's almost exactly like when uh, the end of Return of the Jedi you know, he's like he's like on the bridge and he's seeing like the ghost of Obi-Wan. He's seeing the ghost of Yoda. Uh, but in his final seconds, he's seeing images of Miss Terry misleading his half brother, all the people that have loved him. Uh, and they're standing by a tree near the lake. And they, they missed they missed a really excellent chance to reintroduce the oracles and like, we fucking told you. <laughs> yeah. Um, but anyway, that's where the story essentially ends at this point is with him dying. And there's been teases that Act 6 is him in an afterlife or realizing um, that he is trapped in a cyclical kind of endeavor. And that's why the lake and the river is a motif is because he always ends up returning to the river. No matter what he does. Hunter in hell. (laughs) Dear Hunter, Act 10. Um, (laughs) That is the story of the Axe. Cool. Thank you for letting me verbally vomit Well, 45 minutes. But you asked for this. We did. Whether you were yes. sarcastic yes. or serious, you fucking asked for it. And Technically, we didn't really ask for it. But I mean, oh. like, Kristen was like, hey, when are you going to finish that, asshole? And, uh, you As know. Joke's on you. I finish nothing that I start. <laughs> That's why you don't have kids yet. But uh... <laughs> can't have competition if they don't exist. Indeed. Uh, well, I... <laughs> have two stabs neither of them be the pimp and the priest sick um does he actually have like a, a fever dream where he speaks to his mother at the beginning of act five yeah so like the first three songs in act five are all druggy uh so it's the the first songs on the album um are the moon awake 
and the mm-hmm. moon is essentially him in the opium den and awake is him having trips uh talking to his dead mother and she's okay. kind of letting him know that he fucked up you know you fucked up and then Cast- cascade which is one of my favorite deer hunter songs overall which is beautiful is him tripping balls in the woods uh yeah i think it's like uh going where the wild things wouldn't go hate the sinner don't hate the sin mm-hmm. yeah okay uh oh. and then is uh, act six actually supposed to be a cyclical uh he's he's in hell essentially uh not in hell like it's, it's not a lie in there that actually was not okay. in my script at all it's just we're just yeah. presupposing it, it's back to the i know a lot about this because i i you know was so heavy feverishly into it. died into it yeah yeah so yeah the, the community and casey has mentioned on forums and stuff that it's gonna be what it really reminds me of now and i hadn't have read it then is dark tower it yeah. kind of has that purgatory kind of feel mm. yeah so okay without giving too All much right. away well uh as evidenced i'm i'm very familiar with the the music and the lyrical content but i do not study the story nor have i taken also, the time to really ferret it out still I'm gonna, I'm gonna stress it again and i i hope that you guys give it an honest go like there's youtube uh i, I will link it in the fucking notes there's someone who put all five acts back to back on a youtube upload so you can just have it on the background and if you listen to it as one continuous thing um it's great especially yeah. if you have the story in the back of your head you'll start catching things and it makes a lot of sense. I I don't know how the fuck you can even do it because we wrote a concept album and it's not even a quarter of int- like a quarter is intricate, you know. Uh, yeah, it's not even like a sixtieth as intricate. It's not even att- it's, yeah, it's not even an attempt. At it's not even the word intricate. Anyway, do either of you guys have any stabs? Any stabs? Um, was Mister Usher actually involved with the mafia? Um, based on what they've uncovered of the story, yes. It will call it organized crime and uh, mafia was just the lack of a better term, I think. How about you, Michael? You got anything? Aside from my mouth to keep from saying stupid stuff, no. Nice. Well, (laughs) you you did get the the only... Oh, go ahead, Courtney. Sorry. Oh, I was just going to say, though, like this story would really only happen to a man. Like this going Dude, back to right, like though? the same town and then being shocked when like you run into your old buddies when you've assumed somebody else's life and then being like, how did you get here? And then being a victim, be like, how could this fucking happen to me? <laughs> <laughs> and I love this story. Like, I, I love the acts a lot, mm-hmm. uh, but I completely agree. <laughs> well, no, Michael... I, we've talked about this and it's the reason why I will probably never do a Coheed and Cambria episode is that I love the music and I do really appreciate the concept, but some of the actual like minute to minute storytelling things that happen, like in the comics, for instance, I'm like, are you out of your fucking mind? Like, really? That's the leap that you went for? Yeah. Yeah. So some of it is really absurd to almost an obscene degree where you, it's, it's really difficult to wrap your head around it, but I'm like, I love the music. I appreciate what went into crafting this obviously yeah some of it's you're like okay kids (laughs) right well michael you caught that it's episode three that was an actual lie that i had in there uh so so you got one um alamo draft house was actually founded in 1997 fuck off sorry we're not like stands for i'm sorry majestic phoenix as it's now called yeah at least out here um, also, Hunter's mom 
is not murdered. They actually allude, and Casey's confirmed that she just dies of like natural causes, like kind of like old agey kind of stuff, which is a development that happened after the episode that I'd presented. Okay. So to the best I, of, see, to and the I best was always under the, the impression knowledge. she got killed. Yeah, so, and that's what I thought too. So again, I mean, isn't that something they conjecture. imply in the comic though as well? Like they show like a guy standing behind her as though she's going to be strangled. Yeah, I don't remember. So maybe. Anyway, to the best to the best of the sources there, but I I forgot to go reread the comics. So you're probably right, Shane. But Okay, I I just have a very either it's like cover art or I, something where like she's there and there's someone looming behind her and maybe that's metaphorical. If Who we knows? have to if we have to housekeep next week, we we Some can. Some reaper vibes. Yeah. Noted. Um also at the beginning of Act 4, Hunter and the thief never meet again they don't reconvene i was gonna say because i thought he was already on the boat going back yeah so So why would pierre be (laughs) well pierre might be wanting to explore the glorious americas oh Uh, i heard about your french fries no there's different smells there 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 are plenty of different smells there um and then my final lie is that mr usher is not the literal devil um <laughs> Casey Casey said in an interview because he did that and I mentioned it on episode three hmm. like he did a story time thing where like you'd get a VIP meet and greet when they were doing the what they called the final act tour um, and someone asked them like is Mr. Usher supposed to be the devil and he was like I don't think that no I don't know he's not the devil he goes the idea was for him to be just a, a regular person which I think is infinitely more terrifying that yeah. someone would just behave that way and not like there's nothing supernatural about it. He's just tip to tail piece of shit, you know? Yeah, because I feel like it kind of detracts when it's like, oh, yeah, he is the devil incarnate. It's like, does well, he and I, be? They also lead into that by saying, as he was talking about, like it's it's illustrated by a parable where they're essentially talking about a guy who sold his soul to the devil, and then they immediately introduce a character who is more or less depicted as having that same sort of vibe so the metaphor somewhat leads you to the idea but uh yeah i don't think they ever expressly state that he is the epitome of all that is evil he's just a horrible human being yeah he's just a fucking asshole yeah but anyway that's that's all i have for you well uh i personally will say i found this far more entertaining than the first stab at this so uh well done Thank you. Yeah, I, uh, I'm glad this isn't weighing on me anymore. Good. I Woo. almost spilled the beans like three times this week. I was like, this is the funniest joke that I could ever pull on these guys. <laughs> uh, it was great. I really enjoyed yeah. that. Just the, the, ten reaction, out of ten. the reaction of you guys realizing what we were talking about today. Uh, that, that was a serotonin boost that I greatly needed. So. Good, good. <laughs> good. And anyway, so next week... <laughs> I was going to say, so how's everyone doing? Oh, here we go. (laughs) Well, that is immensely appreciated and, uh, yes, most enjoyable. So congratulations on uh, completing the circle. Feels good, man. I'll be right back at the start. uh, In fact, breaking the cycle, if you will. (sighs) I can't choose a pun. No, nor should you. Well, ladies and germaphobes, as always, we sincerely appreciate your attentive listening at this point because we can hear you breathing out there. We know you're still here. 
And uh, this is a major payoff for some of you who have been around since the onset in particular. Hi, Kristen. I'm sure that you're very excited by this. Yeah, I'm super, super good about this. It's, it's, it was such a good fucking episode. I, I mean, we've heard her before. Fuck. We know she doesn't sound like a puppet. <laughs> Prove it. If you had said you, you know, were going to sell your panties to somebody, I might have believed you, but... I'm drunk on my birthday. <laughs> I, I smell like it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so in any event, uh, we appreciate uh, you putting paid to something that has been lingering for quite some time. And if you want to put paid to something, you know what you can do? You can go and give us a little support. So you can rate review you can subscribe because naturally you're going to get continuity finally fulfilling itself eventually like these are the payoffs you live for friends and listeners very important and of course uh in the link tree below you can find all of our relevant social information so you can go stalk us in whatever your preferred platform uh and uh, see what we're doing over here you can see michael just have a, a dazed expression for at least 45 seconds which is just exquisite you would not believe your eyes indeed <laughs> you would not believe your eyes you would not believe your eyes you would not <laughs> Believe your I, we've eyes. We've already fulfilled the actual <laughs> running sort of melodic content there, you know what? Michael. Michael Michael is a person I would see ignoring oracles. Yeah. Yeah. Most definitely. Like, you are not my dad. <laughs> Just walk away from them. It's not yeah. very cash money of you to foretell my doom. Yeah. I'm yeah. gonna die on my own terms. I'm gonna die on my own terms in a backyard taco. Hell yeah. The only way to go. Roll tide? <laughs> Roll. Yeah, something sure. you say a lot, yeah. Yeah, yeah you know, now that you Drama? say that, backyard taco does sound like a euphemism that was not explored thoroughly enough. Yikes. Oh boy. Oh boy. Yowza. Okay, well we're gonna kill this before it spreads, just like a backyard taco. Uh but <laughs> I caused the spit take. Alright. On record. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we've got this on full lactators ringing uh, running here uh. drooling all over the place what is going on my shirt's so wet uh, good uh, do, 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 you, do you like that you little <laughs> I like it when you spit take <laughs> spit take me daddy <laughs> It's called back to, Look it up. Indeed. It'll harken to a previous installment. I'm sorry, John. Are you okay? <laughs> you smell different. Indeed. <laughs> Feel different, too. Guys, uh, is there something on my shirt? So what you're saying is you're you're feeling good and getting wetter. but uh, How bad is it? It's a yellow lead wetter. <laughs> or a yellow bed wetter. Either way. Okay, well, I think that is going to officially wrap us up. We're going to go get John a towel, and we're going to finish this like uh, the end of most good evenings with a shower and some apologies. So, uh, for the Disinformed Podcast this week, I am Shane. I'm wet. I'm John. <laughs> I'm Michael. <laughs> I'm Courtney. <laughs> and zippity zoop, we're out of here. Sopping. You need the toaster for that to work, John, not just the water. God damn it. Uh, directions were unclear. 
<laughs> Lather, rinse, repeat. Who can follow this shit? <laughs> <laughs>